0: You're listening to the podcast of Eucharist Church in San Francisco, a community of faith seeking to live all of life in reference to Christ. Join us now for this week's message. On the morning of March 20th of last year, I spent almost four hours at Safeway. I arrived at 6:45 AM, an hour before they opened, spent 45 minutes shopping two hours waiting in line to check out, and purchased $175 worth of food. None of which, as it turns out, I needed. Other than the red wine, we haven't touched any of it. You see, I wasn't buying necessities. I was buying staples to put into an emergency bin in my garage. Was it prudent? Sure. Was it wise? Perhaps. Was it deeply rooted in fear? 100% yes. I spent four hours at Safeway that morning for the same reason I went to the bank that afternoon and pulled an anxiety attack's worth of money out of my savings account and hid it somewhere in my home. It's the same reason I always know where the nearest exits are, which nearby objects might make the best weapon in a pinch, the microphone stand nearby, why I explore stairwells and neighborhoods, backroads and alleyways, Because I'm afraid. I'm sure you remember how uncertain life seemed last March. Everything was unprecedented, remember? There were protests and riots erupting all over the nation. There was an unknown virus ripping across the planet. The stock market was fluctuating wildly. The foundations of our society were quaking. And I was afraid. Weren't you? It wasn't long until our collective fears about society crumbling receded. In their place, however, came the realization that the scope of the pandemic was much broader than we had expected. The specter of death loomed large, and almost no part of our daily lives were touched by it. We learned new habits, new social behaviors, unlearned old ones, and adopted entirely new protocols just for going to the grocery store. I'll admit, I've been pretty cautious about the virus, perhaps at times overly so. You see, I'm 40 years old, overweight, and I have asthma. I don't want to get this thing. And like our society, the pandemic has exposed within me a deep truth that we typically try to ignore. We are afraid of death. And so today, as we commemorate Good Friday, the brutal death of the Lord of Life, death is exactly what we must face. Often, when we think about what happened on the cross, what it was that Jesus was doing and what it meant, we usually focus on the horrifying nature of crucifixion. It was brutal. Or we think of big theological words like sacrifice, atonement, or propitiation. And while those words are important and have their place, we tend to gloss over the death of Jesus. What does it mean that he died? Why did he have to die? And why did he have to die in the way that he did? Answering the third question is probably the easiest of the three. Jesus dies in the way that he did, largely because such a death fulfilled a massive amount of Jewish prophecies about the Messiah and Isaiah's suffering servant, whom we just heard read about a few moments ago. The way in which Jesus died was a massive neon sign, pointing to the fact that he was, indeed, the long-awaited Jewish Messiah. He was not what they had expected, but he was exactly who they were waiting for. The first two questions, what does it mean that he died, and why did he have to die, are really just one question worded in two different ways. And in order to arrive at an answer, we need to look back to the beginning. When theologians talk about the cross, they often talk about what it accomplishes. In other words, what problem is it solving? And the way in which you answer this question What the problem is that the crucifixion is solving will determine much of your theology. Not only of the cross, but regarding what you believe about the nature of faith, the mission of the church, what salvation is, what it means to worship, to repent, to evangelize. Much of your belief as a Christian turns on your answer to this question. Now, The crucifixion is addressing any number of problems, not least of which is an atoning sacrifice for sins, and there are many theories as to just how that works and what is going on there. Again, these are valuable discussions to be had, but they do not address the first and most foundational problem, death. Remember what God said to the first humans when he commanded them not to eat the fruit of the knowledge of the good and evil. In the day you eat of it, you surely shall die. And when God cursed them in Genesis 3, his last words to Adam were, For you are dust, and to dust you shall return. These same words were spoken over you on Ash Wednesday, most likely, when 45 days ago we began our Lenten journey into the desert with Jesus. Remember that you are dust and to dust you shall return. Or, as the Latin phrase reminds us, memento mori, remember that you will die. Death is inevitable. None of us get a pass. It is endemic of the human condition. It is coming for you. Even now, it nips at your heels, your sore knees, your bad hip, your dimming mind, your fading eyesight, the gnawing hunger in your belly from having fasted today. You are dying. We must reckon with this reality. Humans, however, have found any number of ways to ignore, forget, or neglect this most basic fact of life. Humor, busyness, distraction. But we ignore it to our peril. Perhaps we briefly reflect upon it on Ash Wednesday or during some overdramatic sermon on Good Friday. But the rest of the year, it's back burner at best. But this is the fundamental problem that Jesus is addressing on the cross. Atonement? Yes. Representative sacrifice? Yes. Self-sacrificial example for humanity to follow? Yes. But none of that does any ultimate good to a person who is still under the curse of death. With the Apostle Paul, we cry out, Who will deliver me from this body of death? His answer? Thanks be to God, through Jesus Christ our Lord. You see, the crucifixion is the consummation of the Incarnation. In the Incarnation, the Son of God, the Eternal Logos, was joined to our humanity, He took upon himself human flesh, human nature, human condition. And in so doing, he also took upon himself the human curse, death. It was unavoidable. Even for the Son of God, death was inevitable. I'd like to conclude by telling you a short story. When I was 13 years old I was walking to the local convenience store with my best friend When out of nowhere He asked me if I was afraid to die I confidently told him no And explained that I knew I would go to heaven when I died And so I had nothing to fear I'm not sure why I said this I wasn't a Christian I had never been baptized I'd been to church maybe twice in my life A few years later though His dad committed suicide in their living room. And then, before we turned 30, that same friend died of brain cancer. I wish I could go back. I wish I could tell us both that while life can be wild and beautiful, it can also be difficult and terrifying. It is no brave thing to declare that you're not afraid of death. It's foolish. Death is horrific the greatest, oldest enemy of humankind. St. Paul tells us that the last enemy to be defeated is death, and that defeat is delivered by Jesus in his death on the cross. In the garden narrative, when Adam and Eve were placed under the curse, they didn't immediately die. Rather, they were exiled from the garden, from the presence of God, and from access to the tree of life. From that moment on, death was a solitary, isolating thing. It drove us apart, apart from God and apart from one another. In Christ, however, death is no longer isolating. We are no longer exiles. We enter a gate through which God himself has walked and joined to him we share in his victory over death. confess that I am afraid of death which is why I cling to Jesus who entered into our humanity enjoyed the beautiful endured the horrible and who himself died entering fully into our curse I cling to the hope that somehow mysteriously in the fact that the incarnate author of life suffered death death itself is disarmed And in his dying, the scripture is fulfilled, which defiantly declares, O death, where is your sting? O grave, where is your victory? The truth is, it's easier to remember you're mortal on Ash Wednesday, during a pandemic. Easier than it is during ordinary time, after the lockdowns have lifted, with Moderna-branded hope coursing through your veins. But make no mistake about it, dust you are, and to dust you shall return. And the only hope we have in the face of our imminent demise is that on the cross, death was trampled down by death. Let's take a moment of silence. Find us to yourself, O Lord. May we be found in you. And in you, may we share in your victory over death. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Eucharist podcast. For more information, visit our website, at eucharistsf.org.